Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Patrick Hughes as we try to pursue this and figure out where did the money go first of all patrick kudos uh, you know because you're the you're the only ones among the few i i believe this is the first of its kind where where you're looking for the transparency looking at each state and trying to figure out where the money went is this is the national opportunity project doing this patrick welcome in and and kudos for doing this well, first, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, you know, you're right. There's there's at least $736 million that the federal government was supposed to make sure got to private schools. This is private schools um, that hasn't gotten there. And you, you had mentioned why, why didn't it get there? Well, the reason it didn't get there is the legislation, because of political horse trading and other things, mm-hmm. was so complicated and it was so narrow what these private schools could use it for during COVID. They could only use it for PP&E or different classrooms for social distancing or ventilation and things of that nature, not sort of educational things. And then on top of that, if the money didn't get to them for those narrow purposes, it would revert back to the governor's. And the governors could spend it on their own pet projects. So now at the National Opportunity Project, which I founded, I decided we should have this investigation. We did a massive investigation. There would be no way that any individual person could figure this out. Mm-hmm. And in over 27 states, there's at least $736 million, at least $736 million that hasn't gotten to private schools that's currently in the hands of governors. And now the governors have sort of the right to determine where that should go. And it's our view that that money should go to educating private schools, many of whom are disadvantaged and from uh, you know, underserved and minority communities, so that they can make up for the COVID learning loss, the mental health struggles that came with the COVID learning loss. And instead, in many cases, that money is going to governor pet projects. And that's what, so I just want to put this in context because it's so important. So the headline has been, oh, Governor Phil Murphy in New Jersey uh, had diverted all these funds to toward kids who are maybe going through trans issues or gender identity issues. But the real story, I think the, the root of the story is exactly what the National Opportunity Project, which, which you founded, Patrick Hughes, is looking at the root of this, saying what happened. It's not that any of us are suggesting that a governor did anything nefarious it to me i'm just wondering how this is quite a debacle 736 million dollars in federal funds at least that we know of right that were promised or you know were available to these non-public schools so what's going on here it's 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 such a shame it is and let me give you some examples like some of the money it's like in alaska Money went to teach the video game Minecraft. In, in uh, West Virginia, it went to an I Got Vaxxed campaign. 
in in Oregon, it went to a diversity, equity, and inclusion initiative. And and look, like you just mentioned, depending on what side of the political aisle you're on, you can argue that these things may or may not be beneficial where the governors are sending the money. But the purpose of the money should be to educate third and fourth graders who fell so far behind in math and reading and science and STEM and everything else during the pandemic. It should be going to help them to recover from the sort of mental health uh, crisis that came out of the pandemic. It should be going for tutoring. It should be going for new curricula. It should be going for things that allow these kids to catch up when they, through no fault of their own, were subject to some of the worst public policy decisions, closing those schools, uh, making them go to Zoom classes, all of that stuff. And, and the other point I want to make, and in, in it's, it's endemic in, in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, the public schools, $7 billion. The public schools got $7 billion. The private schools were allocated $300 million. We've been trying to figure out where the $300 million to private schools is in Pennsylvania. We can't figure it out. We keep getting pushed off. But look at the disparity between public school funding and then private school funding. And then on top of that, the public schools were allowed to use that money for uh, teacher salaries, teacher pensions. Why? Because of the power, the political power of the teachers unions. In Illinois, uh, the Chicago Teachers Union, 75% of the COVID relief money that they got went to salaries and benefits for the teachers. The private schools were restricted in that way. They weren't allowed to use the money for for that purposes. So you can see sort of the public and private discord. But the good news is there's a lot of money out there that still can be gotten. In Illinois, because of our research, because of our FOIA requests, because our constant talking to Illinois public officials, we were able to make sure that about $45.5 million made it to fi- is, is going to make it to 560 private schools. In Tennessee, we were able to claw back $3.5 million for private schools. So what we wanted to do at the National Opportunity Project is make sure that the people that are listening to you that are in- interested in you know pri- the private school money, that are advocates, that are parents, are armed, go to nationalopportunity.org and are armed with this information so that they know what they can do because there's a lot of money that's still out there that can go to educate these kids. So when you said that the money, uh, it reverted back, it did it all revert back in dealing with the non-public schools? Is that still available for the private schools? Yes. Yeah, so so the, a bunch of the money got out. But then a bunch of it didn't get out. And when it didn't get out to the private schools, by law, it would revert back to the governors and the governors would have it to be used at their discretion for broadly based educational purposes, which is why um, they've been using it for some of these other things that, like you said, are not necessarily nefarious, but they aren't designed to educate kids. And so that's the circumstance we're in now. And we've identified in 27 states 736 million. But just like I said in, in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. there's 300 million that was allocated in Pennsylvania. We don't know where that money is or how much is left. There could be $100 million left. We don't know. Right. And we're trying to figure that out. And there are other states that are similarly situated. So the number could be much more than that. But the good news is it isn't all allocated yet. So there are hundreds of millions of dollars that can still go to educating private school kids, again, many who are disadvantaged, many who are from underserved communities, many who are minority kids trying to get ahead in this world. And and so the purpose of the report is to arm parents and arm advocates. I mean, we're in the era of para-empowerment, Don. After we, parent empowerment, after we saw what happened with COVID, parents are tuned in 
to what happens to their kids' education. And we're hoping that the parents see this information and are able to do something with the information that's beneficial. And I noticed in here in the study, and people, you know, can find this at nationalopportunity.org. And I always want to give the sourcing that we have such a, you know, highly educated audience that cares about this. So you've posted your findings. You're very transparent in, in your study. It's an easy read. Um, Patrick Hughes, but you put in here, you talk about the teachers union, the leadership and Randy Weingarten. And so in other words, you take it, you take us through, you know, America's response to the pandemic, what was being said in the summer months in 2020. What did you, when you look at that and, and with hindsight as the benefit, when you look at the two teachers union and what role they played in public schools, what's your takeaway on this? Well, so the the role that they played was first to lobby for as much COVID money as they possibly could do because they're a political organization and that's what Randy Weingarten does. And then, of course, closing down the schools and not allowing the teachers to go back into the classrooms to teach those kids in the classrooms. That was uh, uh, designed to benefit the teachers unions and not the students. The students were disserved by that and continue to be disserved by that. And that's why it's so important that when there are alternative to public schools, like private schools, Mm -hmm. like independent schools, and there's money that's already been allocated for them, that that money should get to them. I mean, this is an opportunity to educate kids in a way that the public schools were not doing during uh, COVID. So, and so the answer is terrible public policy decisions influenced by the, by the teachers unions, particularly Randy Weingarten. I'm, I'm, I'm in Chicago in the Chicago area. The Chicago teachers union has incredible power here and so bad public policy, because they have a, they're a very powerful special interest, very powerful special interest uh, in terms of electioneering and other mm-hmm. things, and bad public policy decisions were based off of that influence. And, you know, I don't think, I think people were trying to do the best they could in some circumstances, but when you look in the rearview mirror, those decisions were terrible. And look who benefited. The teachers' union has benefited, but private schools, private school kids who are underserved and undereducated haven't benefited as much as was intended. And so the rearview mirror is important and we need to make sure that we don't yeah. make those mistakes again. But going forward, we need to understand that there's an opportunity here. Um, and the opportunity is to see if we can get this money uh, to where it's supposed to go. Yeah. And Patrick Hughes, as we talked to you about national org, and, and this wide ranging study that you conducted, I just wanted to make sure that everybody remembers that, that, you know, here, whether it was Chicago or whether it was here in the Philadelphia area, you know, we talk about equity, but there really was not equity. In other words, the Philadelphia public schools, and I think the same was in major cities like Chicago and Philadelphia across the nation. But here in Philadelphia, for example, we have the majority of our student body, tens of thousands of students, brown and black children, were banned from the classroom and many of them did not have Wi-Fi. Even when they even when they went to the Zoom learning, they didn't have Wi-Fi to Zoom with. They didn't have the iPad or the smart pad or a computer at home. And so that all took time. And then it was a debacle to try to give out all of those devices and make sure all those kids had Wi-Fi. During all of that time, the private students, the private school students, the Catholic schools were like my kids were because I'm a Philadelphia city resident. Uh, the nuns, I always say, they figured it out. And the nuns said, no, 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 we need the kids. We need to figure this out. But we, 
We desperately want the kids to be in the classroom because why the nuns knew from history because their orders have been around, you know, 100 years, 160 years. So they, they knew they could draw from history and say that the children, we need to try to keep them here in the school, which also gives structure and for disadvantaged children who are given scholarships. And by the way, the private schools, 40 to 60% of the kids who go to the private schools here in the Philadelphia and, and you know, this region, South Jersey, and I could say the same for Chicago, 40 to 60% of those kids get scholarships. These are not rich kids who go to these, you know, uh, parochial schools or, you know, the non-public schools. So I think it's important that your study gives great perspective, Patrick, to talk about the fact that essentially the teachers, you know, they don't want the competition. That's what the union, not the teachers, but their union, that's what their goal seems to me. They wanted to make it difficult for the private schools to get this money. Yeah, and I think there's there's truth in terms of how the, the law was generated too, right, the restrictions. Now, obviously, there's a lot of private schools that are fearful of taking government money because they don't want to be perceived as having the government start taking over their organization. And there's a fear there, right? But no, you're exactly right. The, the, there is a bias against private schools. There's certainly a bias against public funding for private schools. I think that played in here as well. And there's no question that the teachers unions do not want competition from private schools, from voucher programs, from um, charter schools, right? Uh, they want a monopoly on the education of our children. And in large measure, there are a lot of great public school teachers. I'm a product of the Chicago public schools myself. Um, but from a union perspective, the union's goal is to improve the lives of the teachers, not the lives of the students, and to make sure that they get covered in salary and benefits. And in and, and, and COVID funding, they received salaries and benefits, and that came from public funding, federal public funding, and they weren't being forced to go into the classroom. And when you look at how the pandemic unfolded, I know in the early days it was a different story, but as it unfolded, it was clear that children were not at risk for COVID. It was clear that they were more at risk for the seasonal flu and other things of that nature, and it didn't change policy at all. And so now when we look in the rearview mirror about these public policies that are out there, we're left with them. And so we're left with two choices. No, the first choice is to not repeat bad mistakes that we did the first time, and hopefully we never do that again. And the second choice is to make, you know, lemonade out of lemons. And that's the purpose of this report, to say, like, look, there's still this much money out there. It's an enormous amount of money that can go to educate kids. And if we can just make sure that people are aware of it and then they can decide how to go about making sure that the governors of their states recognize the value of it, just like here in Illinois, where, you know, our governor is a Democrat governor. You know, they put, uh, they were aware of the program. We made them aware of what was going on. We kept on them and kept on them to the point where they decided that that money should go to 560 private schools. And so that can be done uh, for people across the country in these 27 different states and more. We're going to continue to do the research, continue to try to find as much of this money as possible um, and keep this going. And that's, I think, the best that we can do out of a bad situation is to try to, um, you know, take the opportunity that's in front of us and, and make the best of it. And so, Patrick Hughes, moving forward, as you're looking at states like Pennsylvania, 302 plus uh, million dollars, and it's in real time, you're still trying to track that down. Are there some states that did a better job of allocating those dollars and then uh, and have they done a better job as well at transparency? 
Yeah, so interestingly enough, and I'm so glad you asked me this question because it's a very interesting dichotomy. This is a nonpartisan study. Mm -hmm. There are Republican governors that did a good job. There are Democrat governors that did a good job. There are Republican governors that didn't do as good a job as we had hoped. Same thing for Democrats. New York and Florida. New York and Florida are the ones that we think in, uh, in the evaluation did the best job of getting the money out. And think of how diametrically opposed those governors are politically. Think of how diametrically opposed those states are politically. Um, But in that instance, that was an indication of of people doing the right thing as it related to getting the money out to the schools. And so it's not a it's not a red state, blue state thing necessarily. Um, And I just think that's just so interesting that those are the two states that did such a good job. And then but New Jersey, the. This is making headlines that Governor Phil Murphy had, you know, chosen to divert some of the money. Is there still money in play? You said it's still in play in Pennsylvania. It sounds like there's still money in play for New Jersey to, if those schools know about it, to tap into. Yeah, I think New Jersey still has, and I want to get this number right, approximately $20 million left to go and, and get money. Uh, Virginia has 68 million. Washington state has 41 million. Ohio has 51 million. I mean, for private schools, Don, you're talking about large sums mm-hmm. of money. When you think in terms of, you know, people who are advocates for voucher programs or people who are advocates for school choice programs, this, this is, this, this, this is some of the uh, biggest amount of funding for that type of thing, not that you could necessarily use it for that, but that type of educational support. Um, that you'll ever see anywhere in the country, and it's out there and out there to get. Um, and so, yeah, there's, like I said, $736 or more million or more money across these 27 states, and we're still trying to figure out where some of the money is in some of these states. Like I mentioned, Pennsylvania, we might not hear from them. For, we've been on them for a year. We might not hear from them from this summer. The, the, they've told us they, that they'll let us know sometime this summer where that money is and where it goes as we continue to do our FOIA requests and put pressure on these people to let us know what they did with this money and what their governor did with the money. Yeah, and we so we've changed, as you know, I mean, Governor Tom Wolf has left office. We have a new governor, Josh Shapiro. So I'll I'll reach out to the Shapiro administration as well and find out, um, you know, uh, try to ask as far as your study goes, could they respond to that? Because we want to update it. For schools here listening in this region, there's still time to, in other words, private schools especially, Schools can still tap into this. How do they do that? Yeah, so the way to do that is to go to nationalopportunity.org to uh, read the reports, to determine in the states uh, how much money is still left out there to get. It's Like you said, it's easy to read. It allocates that. And then for them to you know get together with the advocates in the area and in this space in their particular state, partner with the people who are uh, involved in these type of issues. And, and then it's up to them to decide whether they should go talk to the administration. Should they go talk to the governor? Should they go talk to a representative? It's up to them to decide how they want to go and approach getting this money uh, from the governor or make it so that the governor wants to allocate that money to them or make it so the governor is aware that he, that he or she can allocate it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, what, that's what they can do. The, what we wanted to do at National Opportunity Project was provide the parents and the advocates and the people who care about these kids, disadvantaged kids who just want to get educated, who didn't have an opportunity to get educated the way they should be. We just want to make sure that they had all the information they could possibly have uh, in order to go forward and do this. It, it was a, it's, a, it's a massive study. It took several months, but the money's out there, and that's the service that we wanted to provide to, 
to the country and to these students so that they know that there's a way for them to go get this money and use it for educational purposes that can be beneficial. Well, Patrick Hughes, so many people complain after the fact about something. Uh, you're just, uh, to me, you're, you're really a, a hero for, for so many kids because, and their parents, because this is information in real time that people can act on, whether they're a teacher and they're hearing this, a principal in a, a non, you know, a non-public school. This is so important and it's really news you can use, as I like to say. So I, I'm your biggest supporter, whatever we can put out here to, and I'll, Believe me, I have my list of private schools I'm going to call and make sure that they know about it in our region because they have waiting lists. They have kids who've suffered in so many ways with these reading scores and math scores that are way down. But just I can't say enough about you to praise you for this. It's a really comprehensive report, Patrick, and a lot of work obviously went into this. So thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. Those are very kind words. Thank you so much for allowing us to talk about it on your show. We really value the opportunity to let people know and outlets like yours allow us to let people know. And so I'm, I'm grateful uh, that you were gracious enough to let me come on this morning. No, Patrick, absolutely. Nationalopportunity.org will stay on this. And I hope we can follow up and just make sure that we follow you and your journey as you're really just trying to, I mean, it's called the National Opportunity Project for a reason. You're just trying to spread the word about this incredible opportunity. Thank you so much. I appreciate it so much. Patrick Hughes, thank you so much. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 